I would like to speak to you for a few moments from the subject, let the church be the church. Let the church be the church. And if I had to take a subtopic, it would be what good are you? What good are you? The text before us this morning is a carryover of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, in which Jesus set forth certain essential truths. As Jesus begins his earthly ministry, he wants to set the stage for those that will follow him. He wants those that would come after him to know certain things about his ministry from the very beginning. So here in the fifth chapter of Matthew, Jesus begins to lay down the foundation by dealing with certain attitudes and dispositions that his followers should possess and demonstrate. He talks about being poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He talks about being pure in heart. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. He talks about those that mourn. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. He talks about showing mercy, working for peace, and thirsting after righteousness. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. In essence, Jesus is saying that there are certain ways of reacting to life's realities that characterizes a child of God. Being a person of faith is not so much what we claim, but what we demonstrate by the way of our attitude. If we are going to be his disciples, And if the church is going to be the church, we have to have a certain type of attitude. Jesus then takes it a step further and says it's not only just about attitude, but it's also about action. Our faith is and should be an active faith. You see, in our text, Jesus addresses the dynamic action of our faith, and he says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its flavor, how then can it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. So in making this statement, Jesus is saying that those of us that would follow him should be good for something. Those who have received the gospel, 
the good news of Jesus Christ are to be good for something. Here is a corrective to the argument that states religion in general and Christianity in more particular is nothing more than the opiate for the masses with the primary benefit of having the ability to produce emotions that give you goosebumps and make you feel good. Though There are those in our society who think that the only purpose of religion and going to church is to make you feel good. And such an argument ignores the very words of Jesus. It is true that the gospel is good news. And therefore, as good news, it is designed to encourage you and make you feel good. The good news that God so loved you that he sent Jesus into the world to die for you, to be raised on the third day and on your behalf, should encourage you and make you feel good. The good news that you are more than a conqueror through Christ who loved you and gave himself for you should encourage you and make you feel good. The good news that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you should encourage you and make you feel good. The good news that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world should encourage you and make you feel good. The good news that God calls you always to triumph in Christ Jesus and no weapon that is formed against you shall prosper and weeping endures for a night but joy comes in the morning and they that wait upon the Lord they shall renew their strength and mount up with wings as eagles and shall run and not get weary they shall walk and not should encourage you and make you feel good. The good news that he prepares a table before you in the presence of your enemies and anoints your head with oil should encourage you and make you feel good. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And if truth be told, that's why somebody came to church today to hear some good news in the midst of all that you are going through. You woke up this morning saying to yourself, if I can just get to the house of the Lord, I will hear some good news that will lift up my head, that will cheer me up, that will encourage my heart and make me feel good, if not better, about my life. Now, while that is the case, the good news that we hear Sunday after Sunday in God's house through God's word should then translate into us being good For something. 
Ask your neighbor, what good are you? (laughs) I'm good to go. Jesus uses two images in verses 13 through 16 to really describe what good we should be as a church. And it's first image we want to focus on when he says, you are the salt of the earth. Now, to fully understand the power of this image that Jesus is using, we have to put what Jesus is saying into context. Right before he says, you are the salt of the earth, he says, blessed are you when men revile you, persecute you, and say all manner of evil before you falsely. For my name's sake. So Jesus is saying to us that the time when we are needed most to be good for something is in the times of difficulty, in times of testing, in times of trials, in times of chaos. That's when the church is needed most to be good for something. Times when folk can't see their way through. Times when people's backs are against the wall. Time when people are having it hard. That's when they need us as the church to be good for something. And if the church is going to be good for something in difficult times, point number one is we should be able to change the flavor. We should be able to change the flavor. The most constant use of salt in our day is that of seasoning. We use salt to enhance or change or to alter the flavor of food. Amen. Do y'all use salt? I even take it a step further. In my pocketbook, I carry a little bottle of adobo. (laughs) So when we go out and I need to change the flavor, I take it out proudly. My husband, he'll do it on the sneak tip. He'll like kind of cover it up and try to do it so nobody, I don't care. I want to change the flavor. I need some seasoning. Amen. Within the context of Jesus speaking this word is the experience of struggle and hardship. And such time had the potential to hit you so hard that it takes the flavor of life away from you. Anybody been there? Life has hit you so hard that it just knocked the flavor out of you. So Jesus said at such times, we as the church, we are challenged to change the flavor and bring some flavor to life. Our community needs a change of flavor. 
Our society needs a change of flavor. Just looking at the events that has happened over the past couple of years, there is a need for a change of flavor. And what Jesus is saying is that it is up to us, the church, to help change the flavor. It's no longer business as usual. The church has got to step up and change the flavor. And if the flavor is going to change, then you got to help change it. It can't be done by anybody else. You've got to bring some flavor to this situation. You've got to bring some salt to this thing. You can't put it off on somebody else. If we want to take back our status in this community, we've got to change the flavor. If we want our church filled, we've got to change the flavor. The Bible says that you are the salt of the earth and therefore you must change things. If you don't like the way things taste, seek to change it. If you don't like what's happening, seek to change it. Don't just talk about it, be about it. It's time to change the flavor. Point number two, if the church is going to be the church, we should be good for keeping things from getting worse. We should be good for keeping things from getting worse. The primary use of salt back in Jesus's day was not of seasoning. The primary use was that of preserving. Salt was used as a preservative, and it was used to preserve a whole lot of things, especially meats, to keep them from going bad. It was also used to preserve fertilizer. Back then, there was only one type of fertilizer, and just in case you are not from the country and you don't know what type of fertilizer it was, then I'm going to let you know it's manure. (laughs) And salt was used to keep manure together so it could fertilize. In Jesus' day, it was an agricultural society, so fertilizer was important in producing good crops, and salt would keep the fertilizer from going bad. Jesus says again, when things are dark and challenging, you and I must be able to keep things from getting worse, even if they're already bad. There are those that want to criticize the church and talk about what the church should do and what, the, the, what, what, what we shouldn't do, but what they don't understand, that the power of the church is not simple, is not simply in what it makes happen, but the power of the church is in what keeps it from happening. The power of faith in God is not just what's produced, but the power of faith in God is also what is kept from being produced. As a matter of fact, if you remove the people of God from the midst of the world, 
the world would be a whole lot darker and so much worse. You see, it was the people of faith who built some of the great learning institutions. It was the people of faith that led the way of victory in the civil rights movement. Somebody in here, you know, exactly what I'm talking about because if it wasn't for the faith in your life, things would be a whole lot worse for you. If you didn't have faith, you would have been the one that would have went postal when they said you were going to get laid off. If you didn't have faith in God, you wouldn't have been able to press your way through some of the situations you had to go through. I know if I didn't have the faith in God, I wouldn't have been able to press my way through working two jobs and still going to school to better my life. If I didn't have faith in God, I would have given into depression and despair. If I didn't have faith in God, I would have given up a long time ago. And that's part of the reason why we clap our hands and why we sing and why we serve. It's not because things have gotten all that better, but you know that God has kept them from getting worse. We find ourselves in situations, Lord, why? Why is this happening to me? And we pray and we pray and we pray, but we don't see a change. But in actuality, God is stopping it from getting worse because it could be worse than it actually is. So we must stop things from getting worse. When you get that bad report from the doctor, it's nothing but your faith that has held you together. Because your faith told you, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Your faith told you, I'm going to wait on God till my change comes. Your faith told you if I can just hang in there, I might be crying today, but I know that weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning, and morning has to come sometimes. It was your faith that held you together. Somebody in here knows exactly what I'm talking about. Because it's your faith right now that is holding you together when everything else around you seems to be falling apart. God has promised never to leave you, never to forsake you. He's right there in the midst of what you're going through. Hang on to your faith. Don't quit. Don't give up. Believe. And watch God move. Hallelujah. Jesus. You think about it. 
You have lost this and you've lost that. But thanks be to God that you have not lost your faith. They can't take your faith. Hallelujah. You might be holding on by a thin thread. But that thin thread is called faith in God. And it's holding you together and keeping you from going crazy. I have the faith to see the invisible. I have the faith to expect the incredible. I have the faith to receive the impossible. I have the faith that can conquer anything. Faith that obtrudes my problems. Faith to know that God can solve it. Faith to to vision my freedom. Faith to reach the unreachable. Faith to fight the unbeatable. Faith to remove the unmovable. The faith that stands the invincible. Faith can conquer anything. We are the salt of the earth. And we've got to help to hold things together. Point number three, my last point, if the church is going to be the church, you've got to maintain your integrity. Jesus asked a question, but if the salt has lost its flavor, how then shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. Now, I read this verse Many of times, and I must admit that I read it wrong and missed out on what Jesus was trying to say. It says, if salt stop being salty, then it becomes good for nothing. But as long as I've been alive, salt has always been salty. Salt is a non-perishable product, which means it can be on the shelf, in the store, or in your kitchen cabinet for years, and it will still be salt. And when you pour it out, it will still be salty. Am I right? So in this text, Jesus is not talking about salt being salty in itself. But what Jesus is talking about is salt losing its integrity by being contaminated and compromised by another substance. Salt can only be contaminated when other stuff is added to it. And in the contamination, the flavor will be diminished. And Jesus said, when this happens, salt becomes worthless. Or he says it's good for nothing. You'll get it? Your eyes are so intent. (laughs) In Luke 14 and 34, Jesus says, if salt loses its saltiness by being contaminated, it's not even worth being put on fertilizer. 
Jesus is saying that the church should never be in a position where it's not worth anything. And I like to say it like this. Should never be in a position where it ain't worth nothing. Okay. <laughs> I wanted to say it the correct way first. <laughs> As a church, we must maintain our integrity of who we are because our strength is in who we are. So if the church is going to be the church, we have to be able to maintain our integrity as a church, understanding that we have been given authority in the earth. As long as we stay connected to Christ and Christ's mission, if the church is going to be the church, we have to maintain a Christ-like attitude and not allow the stress the strains, the challenges of life to cause us to minimize, to compromise, and to contaminate our spirits and our minds. If the church is going to be the church, we have to maintain the integrity of what we believe and believe what we believe is going to be enough. That's what God produces in us. It's going to be enough to keep us in difficulty when we can't see our way through. You see, because of what God has put in you, you will be able to stand the test. You've just got to maintain your integrity and keep it moving. So let the church be the church. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for this word. We thank you for letting us know that the church needs to be the church. So God, we pray that you would touch us as a congregation, the United Methodist Church of Patchogue, that you would bind us together in love and unity, help us to overcome any obstacles, anything that stands in our way from doing what you have called us to do. God, allow us to be witnesses. Allow us to grow our congregation. Allow us to fill the pews all for your glory, God. Allow us to mend the broken hearts and heal those who are sick and afflicted. To minister to them, oh God. God, expand our food pantry in ways that we can help more. In the name of Jesus, continue to bless this church so that we can give out. For we are the salt of the earth. And we claim it and we take hold to it, God. So use us for your glory. And God, as you're using us, God, we pray that you would fix any situation that we're going through. Those things that cause us to stop believing, stop having faith, oh God, strengthen us to handle every situation. And we know everything is going to be all right. So we thank you, oh God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen.